Hello again. Thanks for listening today. This is Stepping Into Freedom, the podcast about standing fast in the liberty wherewith we have been made free from Alma 5840 in the Book of Mormon. Today is episode 41 with Jeff Griffin. Uh, Jeff, has al- uh, he always had dreamed of playing sports on the big stage. As a kid, he envisioned uh, playing college football as a receiver. Uh, he was one step to fulfilling his dream when an, in a construction accident left him broken and paralyzed from the waist down. Uh, his life and dreams were shattered, but not defeated. Uh, Jeff is a motivational speaker. He has earned his master's degree in education and curriculum and had created a worldwide peer-to-peer leadership program for third world countries that was recognized uh, the New York, New York, excuse me, United Nations in New York City. Uh, he's also the creator of the nonprofit organization Road to Recovery for Injured Vets and Physically Disabled. Uh, Jeff's dream is to amplify the power and potential in a million people so they can slay demons of doubt and fear and orchestrate songs that uh, sings in their soul and chase down their dream. And we'll be talking today about realizing our power and potential. Happy to have you with us today, Jeff. Yeah, good to be here. Thanks for the invitation. So could you just talk a little bit about, to start, just kind of uh, a brief overview of uh, kind of how your project got started with your business there? Yeah, are we are we talking about the nonprofit? Or are we talking about the the new one that I just started eighteen months ago? Just the new one there. Yeah, so I was an educator for sixteen years in the high school and college level. Had a very comfortable and consistent paycheck, and um, was reaching about two hundred people each year. And so, but the problem was, is I wasn't fulfilling my potential at least I felt that for the last five years I've had this nudge this push to get out beyond those walls and so I finally just had to practice what I've been preaching and take the leap but uh, I can't take all the credit myself my wife she knew that I was going to go eventually and I remember one night she leaned over to me she's like Jeff I know you're jumping I know you're going to go with or without me and I just want to let you know that I'm willing to jump and that wow. was that was everything, and and all that I needed was to just have her support and hear that from her, and and so we took the leap 18 months ago, which was crazy. You know, I tell people <laughs> that I received an offer I couldn't refuse. You know, pun intended. <laughs> the Godfather reference, but uh, I was told by my employer that I had to make a decision. I could either. Stop teaching or stop speaking. I had to make a decision. They gave me four days to decide, and and I knew what my answer was before I left the building. And the rest is history. Even though the first nine months was crazy as all get out, um, it's been eighteen months now, and and it's just you know I wake up excited every day, just looking forward to helping the next group, the next person. You know, be able to, to dream weave and, and weave that tapestry of ideas and excitement into you know, a beautiful, colorful, you know, gorgeous design. Cool. That's awesome. So, can I, the first thing I wanted to ask you today, um, with, you know, kind of the... the ways you've been able to overcome your own challenges. Like we're, we're taught in the gospel of Jesus Christ that as children of God, our goal is to become 
like Christ. And in fact, more than once in the scriptures, you know, we're commanded to do things like, you know, be therefore perfect. And uh, in our Savior's words, you know, be, to be, you know, in his words, even as I am. So in the process of overcoming many of your challenges, how have you seen the Lord's hand in your life uh, in getting closer to reaching that potential? Yeah, absolutely. And, and the honest truth is, and maybe a quick history for your listeners. Sure. But um, before, you know, I, before I was an educator, uh, my dream was to play football in college. And I told somebody my dream, and they kept on laughing at me. And they told me, you, you can't do that. You're too short. You're too slow. Some even said I was too white. And I'm like, okay, I get that. And so I'm like, all right. But I didn't realize it at the time, but I've discovered it since then that as individuals, as human beings, we reject what we don't understand and we base our possibilities on what we know. And so we'll never understand our power and potential unless we take those steps into the darkness long before we ever see the end. And so, you know, Jesus tells us to walk by faith. And if we have faith of a mustard seed, we can move mountains and perhaps that mountain that needs to be moved is the mental mountain that we've created over all these years with that programming. And so, you know, I kept on chasing down my dream and received a letter from the legendary Hall of Fame coach, Lavelle was inviting me, the short, slow, white guy, to come to his school. Now, somebody called me out on it one time, like, Griff, everyone at BYU was short, slow, and white. <laughs> And I'm like, well, it doesn't matter. I uh, I want to go there, and I've been invited. And so, you know, I kept, you know, I kept on chasing down my dream. I didn't realize it at the time, but I was tapping into and filling up the reserves of resilience, and I was trusting in the very message that Jesus has taught, and that is to have faith. And what's interesting is so many people have twisted that term and associated it with a religion, but faith is a power. Faith is is action. Faith is taking those steps into the unknown long before you ever see the end. I find it interesting that you know there's we're taught not in the religion, but it can extend further than that to having that personal faith, like in Christ. And so that when we you know get to that point where having faith in our potential, it's like wow, like we, you know look look what I can do with Him. There is the religious side, I, I think, right? There's everyone who has the the faith that they're taught about in the religion. But then there's the, the purpose that that's for in the first place, right? What do we have religion for? It's a vehicle to get us to having faith in Christ himself, right? And therefore, in ourselves, because he has faith in us as well, right? So, Yeah, and so, and so you know, here's a question, right, that we have to, that, that I ask people all the time because, you know, the first principle and ordinance of the gospel is to have faith in Jesus Christ. Yes. And again, as you mentioned, and you referred to, faith in Jesus Christ leads us to keep the commandments, leads us to perform those saving ordinances that are necessary for us to return back to our Heavenly Father. That's the faith in Jesus Christ that we're, we're asked to do, is to follow Him so that we can return back and become like our Heavenly Father. And so my question I always ask is, well, if we're, if we're asked to have faith in Jesus Christ, meaning it, it seems like we have to have faith in Jesus Christ, right? Not just faith. Yeah. And so my question is, is what did Jesus have? Who does Jesus have faith? Yep. And so, you know, I've, I've been taught in Alma 32 that, you know, faith, you know, you know, 
faith is to believe in something that's not seen. And then once you, and then once you know, you no longer have faith in that thing. And so I'm like, okay, so I was taught that once you know something that you no longer have faith, well, then you go back to the creation and you go into Genesis and you go into the Moses. Well, how did Jesus, we know that Jesus is the creator of all things. He created this world, John one, you know, he is the word and the word was with God and God created this, this world. And so how did Jesus create this world? And lectures on faith teaches us that he used faith. And so Jesus used faith to create this this world. And so it goes back to, okay, so what is faith and what can faith do? Because if we're asked to have faith in Jesus Christ, a lot of people think that that just means well, we got to have faith in Jesus Christ and that's where faith comes from. But if that's the case, where does Jesus get his faith? Exactly. It's kind of a, it's a thing that... You know, you can choose to have it or not. It's a matter of agency, right? And so, and so, faith is is power, is what it is. Joseph Smith teaches us that faith is power, and and that's what he used to create this this world, and that's what we get to use to create our world and to and to create, um, you know, the things that uh, God has asked us to do. I'm I'm a strong believer that you know. All things were created by God, and God wants us to have all things. It's clearly stated. And, mm-hmm. and so how do we get those things? Mm-hmm. How do we become like our Heavenly Father? Mm-hmm. And, um, and and so anyway, I've, I've been on a journey of faith for 20-plus years because it's, it's been intriguing to me because I was promised after my accident. You know, I fell 40 feet, broke my back, my life changed. I didn't know it was instant. 40 feet. Holy cow. Yeah, and so, in fact, what I did here is I took, you know, I've been taking some notes over all these years, and and the first, you know, the first slide or the first note that I ever took was 40 feet. The world can change in an instant. And it doesn't have to be 40 feet. It can be 40 centimeters. It can be whatever it might be. People's worlds change in an instant. They can change in an instant to both good and bad. And so how are we going to take those steps into the unknown? Yep. Because we have we have two ways that we can we can act. We can act in faith or we can act in doubt. I know a lot of people, you know, use fear as the opposite of faith, but I believe faith fear is the energy or the action that comes from doubt. You know, we act in fear. And and faith is what we have, and so we act in courage. We act with courage, and we act in fear based on our doubt and our faith, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think you see what you're getting out there. So can you, like, relate any specific, like, I guess, examples where um, you've seen something where the Lord's hand in your life was, like, it was kind of there to be like, look, Look what you can really do. Look how you can overcome this doubt. Look how you can do this. And I'm going to show you how. And there was kind of like maybe some sort of um, like a, a moment where you saw divine intervention that where he was trying to show you that what you could really do. Well, what really comes to my mind, Paul, is, is the fact that after my accident, I was promised that I would walk again and not faint. Wow. I would run 
and not be weary and have a full recovery in a reasonable amount of time. Those are the exact words that was promised to me um, by my friend who had the priesthood at the, you know, who gave me a blessing at the time of my accident from my dad, who was a stake president, basically the same, the same thing that my buddy did. And then of course, from a general authority and an apostle um, of the church of Jesus Christ, the Latter-day Saints. And so those, those, Blessings have been a very, very powerful um, tool that I've latched onto to get through that void, to get through the darkness. Because so often we think that answers are going to come yesterday, that answers are going to come as fast as Google can give them. <laughs> and and, and, and it's, it's not that, that's not the case that I've found and discovered. Abraham was promised a son. It took him 40 plus years in order to fulfill that, that, that promise. Isaac and Rebecca were promised a child. It took them 20 years to, to receive that promise. You know, the woman with the issue of blood, you know, talks about how she was healed instantly, which she was, but for 12 years she was dealing with it. Yep, exactly. And so, and so for me, I've been 20 plus years, 20 plus years where I've been promised. And, and so, you know, the first blessing came at the, the, at the site. The second one came right before my surgery. So three or four days later, the other one came a month later. And then the last one came a year or so later. But what was interesting is in between the first one and the second one, I had a journey from the, the place where I was hurt, where I fell 40 feet the place where I received the news that I'd never walk, never move, never stand again. And it was a three-hour ride to the hospital. It was in the most cruciating pain I've ever been in. I thought it was, I thought it was ironic that since I'm paralyzed, why am I feeling so much pain? It's like they had folded me in half. Wow. The opposite way. Not, not forward half, but yeah, yeah. It took my feet the opposite way and folded me in half, and that's how much pain I was in. And I just wanted to pass out, and I wanted to get rid of it, and they wouldn't give me any drugs and all this stuff. And I was in excruciating pain. It was the longest three-hour ride of my life. I'm sure it was the longest three-hour ride of their life, the EMTs. Oh, man. But something happened in that journey. In that three-hour journey, I found peace in the pain. Wow. And so, you know, that moment right there sustained me throughout um, this journey. But at the same time, I've had my pity parties. Uh, I've entered the sauna of self-pity. I call it entering that syrupy, sticky sauna of self-pity that we just kind of feels like it feels like it slows you down. It's like, oh, get me out. Right. It's like it's 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 everything you know. All that momentum and all that energy and all that light and all that hope and all that faith is just sucked out of you or drained out of you or dragged out of you, right? And um, and so I had that I had that pity party and I and I had to escape from from the sauna of self pity. Well, that's what faith is supposed to help us do, right? So yay for that. That's really cool. Um, I find the the contrast there is almost. Is it weird to say it's almost comical? Where in one breath the Lord through His servant, through the priesthood Lord is like, um, "You will walk again," and the next breath the professional is like, "No, you won't." It's like, eh, I, I, if it was me, I'd be like, 
you don't know what you're talking about, Doc. Like, <laughs> but, uh, wow. Well, and what's interesting is over these years is, you know, how do they describe their profession? They, they call it practice. Exactly. Well, yeah, yeah. Practice. And, and a lot of these docs, you know, so the ones that really, really know what they're doing will tell you that they're guessing. Yeah, and, I, I believe it. And, and, and so... So I'm like, okay, well, if they can guess and experiment, why can't I guess and experiment? We, why can't I focus on what I can do instead of focusing on what I can't do? Because all the evidence was stacked up against me. The doctor says, no way. And every time I woke up, there was a scar from my belly button to my back that that indicated and proved that he was correct. That I would never walk again. And I couldn't feel, I couldn't move my legs. There, there was nothing that would, would indicate whether or not I, I could or not. And so people kept on telling me, Griff, you're delusional. You are delusional to believe that you will walk again. And so fast forward, or long story short, it's been 20 plus years. I just climbed up Mount Ben Lomond, 9,711 feet to the wow. top. Wow, that's cool, man. Yikes, yeah. wow. Well, interesting, that kind of leads into the next question I wanted to ask you. Talking about you know overcoming major feats like that, um, like one of the most ennobling truths I think in all of God's plan is that no matter how uh, you're great or meager we think our efforts are, you know like like uh, Jesus multiplying loaves and fishes, He can also exponentially multiply the effects or fruits of our own efforts, right? And I'm, I'm interested in your perspective on that. Can you talk about any time where you felt like you know the Lord was kind of you know using something you were doing? to enable you to do more with that that you couldn't do on your own? Something specific? or Yeah, yeah, just everyday living. Everyday living. Whenever I, whenever I try to, to see, um, you know, expand out and see the whole bit, you know, digest the whole picture, it gets overwhelming. And sometimes I compare it like, you know, trying to consume a cow in one bite. It, you know, it's impossible. You can't do it. <laughs> I like that analogy. Wow. And if you, and if you, there's meteor analogy. I mean, if there's, you know, uh, um, vegan and vegetarians out there that don't like my analogy, you could use the garden. You know, you can't consume the garden in one bite, taking a bite at a time. But, um, you know, I find it interesting that, that if I'll just take it a day at a time, right? Because in the, if I focus on the past, it does me no good because it doesn't exist. If I focus on the future, it does me no good because it doesn't exist. I can plan for the future and I can learn from the past, but I've got to stay present to to really experience the joy that he's promised me. Yeah. And, and so what I've learned is faith is fickle. Faith has a short shelf life. It can go as fast as it can come and you've, you have to nurture it and you have to mold it and you have to um, grow it yeah for us in our like weak and mortal perspectives it's like it's, it's with that uh you know the constant reminder we need each week with the sacrament daily scriptures it's got to be like you got to relight that torch all the time right so yeah in fact jesus's disciples learned it the hard way after jesus called his disciples to be apostles to go out and to teach and to preach and to heal they obeyed and they went out and teach and they preached and they healed but there's one event in the midsection of Matthew where a man comes with his son who was a paralytic and, and he brings him to the, the master and says, Master, your disciples couldn't heal him. 
will you heal him? And then he goes ahead and heals him, and then he turns to his disciples and gives us that great sermon about, oh, ye of little faith. If you, if you had a faith of the size of a mustard seed, you could heal them. You could move mountains. But here's the irony. Here's the paradox. His disciples had enough faith to heal people prior to that. And so if you go back and read that account, we learn the difference between great faith and little faith. And that is, Jesus says, in order for you to perform this miracle... And other miracles like it, you must do, you must pray, you must fast. And so the way we can amplify, the, the way that God can amplify our efforts is for us to do what he asks us to do with those little things, like fasting and praying. If I fast and pray, pray um, it exponentially increases my results. Totally. Oh man, I can't like. There's a number of times the man and I have seen, um, just places where it's like, okay, where, where do we even go from here? Like, how, how do we resolve this this problem? And and then you know we, we there's been times where we've realized, oh, we haven't done this, or we need to stop doing this, or whatever it is. And then um, that little extra effort, you know, sometimes the like that uh, what you were talking about, the savior teaching there. A little extra effort, Saber can use that, and you go, oh, okay, well, now, now, now you're getting there, right? You can, yeah. I, I can use this. Yeah. And President Nelson said that blessings come from obedience, miracles come from exact obedience. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. When it comes to you know, breaking, like you were saying, some of those mental barriers, personal barriers, whether it be with our faith or physical, mental abilities, um, what is one suggestion or the best suggestion you might have for listeners to help um, like them partner with the Lord in breaking through those barriers and those doubts and, and reaching their potential as children of God. What might you have to suggest for them for that? Yeah, absolutely. The first thing, first and foremost is um, there's three things I believe reason why we don't succeed. And number one is we don't focus on 252. Two, we don't understand the three Ds. And three, we don't invest in ourselves. So, yeah, go ahead and explain those for me. <laughs> so, so 252 is, it's two five twos. You got, you got two twos that uh, bookend the five. And so there's five, there's five key concepts, five core concepts that are at the foundation of these keystone habits. And, and, uh, and we only have 24 hours in a day. And so why do some people succeed and others don't? Why do people get, are able to do so much when, when I, I struggle? You know, why is it, you know, why, why, why? And, and I think because, you know, we don't focus on 252, which is the basis. So the five core concepts are we've got to start a, a routine now. I call them righteous, holy habits and righteous routines. So you got to start. You got to create a holy habit, righteous routine that you're consistently and constantly doing. And the second thing is, you've got to desire the fundamentals. And the fundamentals are just the basic problem-solving skills of what do I add, what do I take away, and yep. what do I keep on doing. And then the third core concept is, you've got to consistently be consistent. consistent. I like that. Consistently be consistent. And then the fourth one is to work smarter, not harder. 
a lot of times people think you just got you just got to try harder. You just got to try harder. You just got to try harder. No, no, just try smarter. Try smarter because exact obedience brings creates miracles. The fifth step is the endure to the end. Or my motto was just don't quit. Capital D O capital I T. So you've got to learn how to endure to the end or or um, have resilience. And so those are the core concepts of the the foundation that's laid in order to fit the keystones in. The keystone is what holds the arch up, and if you focus on the keystone, everything just you know falls out of place or falls into the place. And I think it was President Benson, it could have been Kimball, I always get those two mixed up. But they said if you put Jesus Christ in your life first, everything will fall into place or fall out of place. Yeah. So that was the two five two thing you mentioned. What was the other ones you said there? So focus on so focus on two fifty two. We don't focus on two fifty two, and we don't understand the three Ds, and we don't invest in ourselves. Yeah. So what are the three Ds? So the three Ds, I, I mention them in my book. I am possible. Desire, dream, and do. And the whole purpose for that title of the book is how do you turn the impossible into the possible? And the answer is staring everybody in the face. But a lot of times they think it's me, myself, and I. Which, which we do have to do our part. But the, in order to change the impossible into the possible is to include the great I am. So if you just add an, if you just add an apostrophe into the, the word impossible, it becomes I'm possible, the great I am. And so desire, dream, and do, I believe, are, at the, are, are the, the cornerstones of, of all success, of a, your abundant mindsets of faith, of, uh, of everything that God wants to give us. And you can see those three things sprinkled throughout those ancient writings in the Bible and Book of Mormon and other scriptures. Uh, in desire. And so what we do is we dissect what a desire is, and then we take a look at the anatomy of a dream, and then we go ahead and give some practical steps on how to uh, orchestrate and conduct the song that sings in your soul. Yeah, and the, sorry, and the last thing you mentioned after the, the three Ds was? Invest in yourself. Ah, yes. You know, the greatest commandment is what? Love the Lord thy God. And the second greatest commandment is what? Love thy neighbor as thyself, yep. That's the third one. What's the second one? Oh, what am I missing? So the first one is to love God with all your heart, mind, and strength. Yeah. The second one is to love yourself, and the third one is to love your neighbor. Because if you read that yeah, The way he words it, yeah, yeah. It says to love your neighbor as thyself. And so if you if you can't love yourself, then you can't love your neighbor. And so got it. you've got to invest in yourself. And so many times we fail to do that. Yep. Well, and there's, there's I think it's like a lot of people, maybe you can give uh, listeners a tip on this too, is I think a lot of us, especially uh, members of the church, are afraid. Um, I know I have been at certain times in my life where it's like, well, if I... You know, I, I don't want to get prideful though, and I don't. I mean, because I, I think there's a balance that some of us struggle to strike between, you know, proper love of self versus worship of self, right? Because you can go too far. So, right. I mean, loving yourself is totally not worshiping yourself. There's a difference, obviously, because um, the one's prideful, one is humble. Um, any thoughts you have on that? Yeah, I want you to envision what the boardroom's like with those 15 
apostles of Jesus Christ. Ah, okay. Do they have strong opinions? Yeah. <laughs> they believe they're right. Absolutely. And so, and so I would love to be able to just go in there and see a meeting and see how, how you can be bold, how you can be courageous, how you can be like a man of Mor- like Moroni and, and, and share your testimony with boldness and to believe in yourself with confidence without being prideful, without being boastful and, and still remaining humble. Because I am sure those men have some very strong opinions, and uh, and so there is a there is a, a fine line between confidence and cockiness, humility and pride, and um, and so God doesn't want us to, to self deprecate. He wants us to uh, to love ourselves and to lift ourselves up so we can lift others. Yeah. Let your light so shine. He wants us to let our light shine. He doesn't want us to hide it. He wants us to let our good talents shine. Totally. You know what you said there reminded me too of um, oh, there's a blog article I wrote uh, a while back. Uh, it's called uh, something like a pen light to the sun on LDS blogs. And and uh, it, it uses an analogy that uh, Ted Callister puts in The Infinite Atonement, his book, where he, he kind of relates the fact that you know, like he uses Christ's atonement in saying that the, the pain of the cross alone, com- or physical pain, compared to the accumulated pain of the garden and the cross, was as a pen light to the sun. And I'm like, well, wait a minute, there's got to be more to it than this, because I also thought, well, that must mean his faith in us, as opposed to our faith in him, um, or other way around, I guess, our faith in him as opposed to our, his faith in us, would also be as a pen light to the sun, and his love... Like, our love for him versus his love for us would also be as a pen light to the sun. So I'm thinking, like you said, let your light so shine. You know, that's the one, per, the only person we should ever be comparing ourselves to is Christ because so we can, you know, work towards becoming like that sun, letting his light shine in us, right? I don't know if that makes any sense or not, but... <laughs> yeah, it goes back to Alma's, you know, Alma 514. Is his countenance, is his image in your countenance? Does he reflect... In what you are doing, and that's what I hope and pray every morning I wake up is is to be more like Him, because I know I know that it's because of Him that uh, has made this all possible. But there's a point where where I'm going to have to act in faith to where I can create a world myself, be omnipotent, omniscient omnipresent and so in order for me to do that is I need to have faith in Christ because he will show me how to do that he will lead me how to do that and um, there's nowhere in in the scriptures that I've read and discovered where he will do it for us he will teach us how to do it he will be by our side but we have to do it well that's that's kind of goes back to the like I think very well encompasses the whole idea of what you want to talk about today was realizing our power and potential is that you know the key word I, I think I in context with what you just said there is our it is our potential he put in us you know the seeds of godhood as his children the father did that and so you know when you say he won't do it for us of course he won't he he blessed us with agency and the ability to choose and 
you know, be anxious to engage in a good cause and do many good things of our own free will, as you know, which, I don't forget which places that is in the Doctrine and Covenants, but it is our power to be like him. And, you know, when he, I've always noticed that that is multiplied, like you said, when we exercise that faith in him and believe in ourselves that we can become like him. So, yeah. And that's, and that's the, the ultimate, that's the ultimate, uh, desire of the Father is for us to become like Him. And, uh, you know, all things were created by God, and God wants us to have all things. Well, and funny thing, too, is uh, I'm thinking, you just got my, you're sparking all these thoughts in my head here, so thanks. <laughs> um, something else that comes to mind is uh, a lot of people, I think it's in the, the Blueprint of Christ Church, if you, if you read that one, there's a part where it says that many people who think, oh, well, you know, how dare you think you can ever be like God the Father? He's the greatest of all. No one can ever be like Him. Well, <laughs> You know, that, that's just blasphemy, and you know, it, it diminishes the, the godhood of the Father. I'm like, well, not exactly. The way Callister talks about it in the Blueprint of Christ Church is that, like, think of the ability we have now. Think of our potential to, like, what our ability is to worship and glorify God now. And then take that, if we become like Him as well, our ability to glorify Him will then have also multiplied exponentially, infinitely, and if anything, it actually glorifies him more that we are like him at that point, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, and and I love it, and I know that you're in the hospital right now, and that you are, you, you know, you're fighting a, a great challenge, a great battle, and and, and here's the beauty of it. I, I was I was given a zero percent chance of ever standing or walking. I was given a zero percent chance of having kids. Some gave me a zero percent chance of having uh, getting a wife, not because of my wheelchair, but just because of who I am. But um, I've been married for 20 plus years. We have four kids, and, and now I can get up out of my chair and walk. And, and so, the power of fasting and prayer was, in my opinion, what helped us have our first child. But with our first child, he has, I believe, it's 26 chromosomes from his mom, 26 from me. And without trying or without doing anything, he is like us. We have spiritual DNA that we have gotten from our Heavenly Mother and from our Heavenly Father. And so just by default, without doing anything, we are royal. We are royal. But if we want to be royalty, we've got to do the things that he asks us to do. And so... That's uh, a good way to put it. Anyway, I just love it. Awesome. Well, um... Anything else you want to add for our listeners that uh, help them reach their potential? Any closing thoughts you want to add? Just an offer for them. If they, if they go to my website at griffinmotivation.com forward slash shop and they use the, the um, coupon code love, we'll, we'll, give you, we'll give them some love. Yeah, they can get anything they want for 50% off. Give them a book, audio book, ebook, digital book. Uh, a lot of that stuff in there. It's kind of an introductory of uh, the 252. It's introductory to the three Ds. And, and so what's, what's exciting is they can start to sift through it and they can forge their own nuggets of truth and experience it for themselves. But, uh, so yeah, griffmotivation.com forward slash shop. Key phrase, love. They can have any of that. And... Um, yeah, it's been a pleasure. Awesome. Sounds good. 
Well, thanks for being on today. Really appreciate your, your thoughts and your, your insights. And your, it sounds like you're inspiring a lot of people. You're giving me some good ideas today to, to remember and think about right now. And thanks for listening, everyone. In the next episode, we have Olivia Putris talking about knowledge. Uh, Olivia is a passionate creative. She loves to inspire individuals to live and not just be alive. She has simple, powerful tools and processes that she uses to stay in faith, joy, and gratitude, even in the most challenging uh, circumstances. So, for those who've listened to other episodes, you know why I'm going to be excited for that one. <laughs> uh, she believes that transformation can happen in an instant, and her mission is to share stories of faith through the Consecrated Life Project and strengthen people in letting God lead. She lives by faith and experiences miracles daily. Uh, Livia creates inspirational products and programs that wake up the mind, inspire the soul, and support divine creation. She is passionate about transformation, connection, nature, uh, essential oils, and music that inspires. And you can learn more about her if you want to before our next episode on learnlivefly.com. So if you have any questions about this episode or uh, someone you know would like to participate on a certain topic discussed, please feel free to email me at thepulsifier at gmail.com. And that's in the description. If you like what you heard today, please go give that follow link a click on paulpulsifier.podomatic.com and or subscribe on any of the platforms listed on the homepage there. Uh, If you found something particularly useful in here, please go and leave a written review on iTunes and Stitcher. Those are helpful for people to find the goodness you may have found here. So have a great day, everyone. And remember to stand steadfastly in the freedom God gave us. Until next time, this is Paul Pulsifer.